Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. Hey guys, welcome back. So first off, I just want to apologize for my annoying voice. I've basically been sick for all of 2022 and I am sick again. So didn't want to hold off on the podcast since we have so much to talk about with the trade deadline. But um, yeah, I'm sick. So that's why I sound like this. And Seth is also getting over a sinus infection. So he's extra nasally today. I'm sure everyone is so excited about that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll it'll be listenable. It's just a little, little rough around the edges. But uh, thanks for tuning in. All right. So obviously the trade deadline has passed us this past Monday and I I was homesick from work. So we were actually watching it as, as it went down. Typically I'm working and kind of just checking Twitter constantly. But I really was thinking there near the end that we weren't going to do anything. Uh, I kept seeing everyone in the Metro get better and better and we weren't really making any moves so I was I was a little worried but yeah. we came through uh Hextall came through yeah no uh I was definitely concerned about it it started off slow the day did uh but it definitely picked up steam and it, it was just weird how it transpired you know there's always like three or four different deals that pop in after the fact but we hit three o'clock and they still had like 12 deals on the board something like that you know yeah, I think the, we, the queue is really slow this year for whatever reason, and nobody knew what was going on, and trades were taking forever to, you know, a lot of them were announced, but then you didn't know, like, what pieces went back for. Like, it took hours to find out what pieces we are sending back to the Ducks. I thought that was interesting, but every, everything was just really slow. Yeah, no, when, when it first got reported, it was just, uh, obviously, we acquired Ricardo Raquel, who's uh, you know two-time thirty-goal scorer out of Anaheim, a winger, uh, right-handed shot, um, and he's played two games with us now, and he's looked fine. A uh, little, little bit of an adjustment, but well, and and just to mention, he hasn't had any practice. He hadn't even had a morning skate with the team uh, until I probably today. But, I don't even know if they practiced today. They probably had a day off today. But he had nothing with the team. He literally like showed up at the airport, played that night, and then they got on a plane and went to Buffalo. And so, he had some sick moves in the yeah. other time. Oh and, yeah, OT I mean, his last hands night, are crazy. Yeah, OT last night in Buffalo. There, there were multiple times he could have scored, and he just was like dangling like no one else on our team does, and it, it was really, really fun to see. But when it was first reported, the report was Aston Reese in a second, which would have been a steal. Um, even though Ricard Raquel does need to get signed, he is a UFA. So for me, that's an important piece of this that I think needs to be taken into consideration when we're evaluating the trade as ter- in terms of win losses. Well, I think this is one of those trades that seems like a win right away and could easily turn into not a win if we're out in the first round. Definitely. Because it's it's like unlikely we sign Raquel again, especially if we try to sign Brian Rust. I, I don't think it's something we can afford unless we dump, you know, Zucker, Patterson. We have to, we have to get rid of money somewhere. But, um, you know, right now it looks really great because we needed a scorer. 
but yes, like you said, it's it's pretty much a loan, and the chances of us resigning him, uh, who knows? That's kind of slim. And then we gave up a, a decent amount. I mean, Aston Reese, you know, he's also going to be a UFA at the end of the year, so who knows? We could get him back. And I mean, we're huge fans of Zach Aston Reese. He's such a great defensive forward. You're not going to probably find much better in the league. And, like, of course, the dude I think has two goals all season, one of them being an empty netter. Actually, that was his last play as a Pittsburgh Penguin. But, you know, he he's a huge piece of our fourth line. And you even saw it last night um, against Buffalo. I thought our fourth line was getting exposed a lot against their top line. And that's something you didn't really notice when Zara was on that. They got line. dominated last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. And Zara, so did so did the PK. Even yeah. Even though Buffalo didn't really hammer away and on it. When when Zara was on that fourth line, you never really noticed a big difference between a team's top line and our fourth line. So that that's something I think to watch out for. A uh, Simone, you know, take it or leave it. I. People are very viciously divided on Dominic Simone's right, time here, right. both times, and. I frankly never understood it. It's the same thing that I feel, for whatever reason, Zach Aston Reese gets a lot more love. And yes, he's better defensively, but they have a similar mold. And we talked about this actually, you know, you should really only have one of them in the lineup. But losing both in the same deal... It's it's going to be hard, I think. that we, we just got worse defensively on the side of the puck in terms of a back check. And... I think it's easy for people to say we won this deal on paper because we obviously did. However, on the ice, I think there will be some growing pains with this. Well, especially like now, uh, Brian Rust has to play like heavy power or penalty kill minutes now again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're risking block shot injuries more than you would have before. Uh, Obviously, he's he's more of a scoring threat on like shorthanded goals. But you're, you know, you're just putting Brian Russ out there a lot more than you were before. So that's going to be, you know, a big change. You're not going to get a, a better penalty killer than than Czar. Simone had really come into his own with with killing. So, you know, we're definitely going to see some some issues, I think. I wonder if Anthony Angelo gets the ring, because if if the if the fourth line slash penalty kill issues become too great down the stretch here becomes a concern. I could see him getting a slot in over Zahorna to try to get somebody who well, is a specialist. Well, we also need to remember McGinn is out. That's and true as well. He's an amazing PKer. So as soon as he's back, I think, you know, it'll it'll get a little bit better again, less scary. But, you know, the the penalty kill being a little iffy right now. And also, like, Casey DeSmith in that last night got, got really sketchy against, you know, a team that, you know, for, you know, props to, to Buffalo. They're looking a lot better, but they're, they're a team we should get two points against. So, I have to say, in terms of what this does for us, I think we needed to make a move because we obviously had a glaring right a hole on the right wing side in Malkin's line. Um our scoring in the in the middle six, uh, four group was was just not there. The consistency was not there. We had a bunch of streaky scorers, and Heinen was easily the most consistent out of that group, and he was even cold for a decent stretch. So we needed to get somebody to shore that up with Zucker still on the table. 
or, or is it still on the shelf rather we needed to to stay afloat alongside the other teams in the metro and this was a nice shot of confidence however i will say that the ducks did not make out with nothing a lot of people made it seem as though well well clang is unsigned and aston reese isn't that important well and that's what i want to mention the other two pieces of the trade um other than aston reese and simone is a 2022 second rounder, which, you know, you never know how those are going to work out. And then goaltender Callie Klang. So, but that I... Could, that could be reasonably high. That could be yeah, like 40s. I mean, that's yeah. a decent pick in a deep draft. Well, and, and Callie Klang, I mean, I know that we consider ourselves to have a lot of depth and in, in the goaltending pool. But uh, Callie Klang's probably, he was probably one of our, you know, best prospects He's playing in a league of men, and he's very good. So I think I think the Ducks got themselves quite the goalie prospect there with with this trade. Now, I know that Joel Blumquist has overtaken Callie Klang in terms of the hierarchy internally, but both are, both are projected to become starting goaltenders in the NHL. Yeah. So... It's great that we have this European scouting crew that will draft Augustafson. But then if you trade them to Ottawa for spare parts, it doesn't help you any. And now we've done the exact same thing with another Swedish goaltender. And it's hard, especially for somebody who likes watching Swedish hockey and to get invested in these prospects to just see them go away. Especially when it's for a pending UFA when you really don't have the cap space to sign them. So just to put a little optimistic spin <laughs> on all of this, because we really do like the trade. Yeah, I, I just think that it needed you know, to be made down the line. It could look a little less Pretty. winning than it does right now. But to, to put an optimistic spin on this, we kept our first. Yes. Which is huge because I don't even remember the last time we had a first round draft pick. Oh, I would have blown a gasket if we'd thrown our first away. Right. Again. And we potentially got someone who could get really hot at the exact right time. And he's a perfect fit for this team. Right. And I mean, they I don't honestly don't know a lot about him, but apparently, you know, I know I saw Jesse Marshall on Twitter say that his style of play is going to fit Mike Sullivan's coaching style perfectly. So the only person that I wanted out there more was JT Miller and he cost too much, which is why no one traded for him. Right. Um you know, this that's a different style than Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel is wildly creative and he can manufacture offense on his own, but he's also really good at finishing off plays in tight with a with a a, a driving playmaking force, which Malkin is. Yeah. So the two of them together could do really special things. And yeah, he I... hasn't had a right-handed triggerman like that. In a while. I really hope that putting him down in the third line was just to kind of get him acclimated since he hadn't had any practices and he hadn't had any sleep. and Easier just, matchups, yeah. Right, right. So I, I really hope that um, moving forward we, we start to give him some time with Malkin because, you know, you think there's time, but realistically, like, there's 17 games left before, before round one. So... That's not a ton of time to build chemistry, especially you don't know, are any of them going to be out at all with an injury? Will someone get something where they're out three to five games? This is a perfect segue to why the rest of the league did a ton of things 
and I'm not so sure that they're all going to work out in the ways that they hope they will. All right, so... Because chemistry matters. Big trades that kind of got my attention around the league. Obviously, we're not a Pittsburgh Penguins podcast without mentioning Marc-Andre Fleury. I am so happy he's out of Chicago. And very, very sorry to our Chicago podcasting friends, but... I don't think he was happy there, and I really hope that he's now on a team where he has a chance to make a run for it, because it's Marc-Andre Fleury. We love Marc-Andre Fleury, and he's, you know, one of the greatest. I also think it's hilarious that he reportedly rejected uh, this season uh, potential trades to the Capitals twice. (laughs) So he he used his ability in his no trade clause. Marc-Andre Fleury, no matter what uniform he's wearing, underneath it all, he bleeds black and yellow. So, you know, I'm really happy for him. I'm very, very glad he's staying in the West. So we won't have to see him, hopefully not at all, but if at all, at the end. You know, I, I'm glad for him. I'm glad he's hopefully in a place he, he likes a little bit better. That's a, and on that's a good a fun team. team. That's yeah. a fun team. Yeah. I mean, you got Kaprizov and you got all these young offensive guys, but uh, Jared Spurgeon and kind of a, a, an older core there, are they likely to make a run? Probably not, but could they? Absolutely. Yeah. So they're, they're one of those border teams that maybe could make some damage. Well, and, and you know, he, he has history with, the management and I just think it's a really good fit for him and it's not very far from Chicago so if like he didn't want to uproot his family in the middle of the school year I'm sure he won't have to I just think it's a great fit it worked out I'm really glad for him so that that obviously is the first big big trade that you know caught my attention another one for me was Drew obviously um big Pence fans we've been facing Drew multiple times a year all these years uh one I'm happy that Drew is going to maybe get a chance. That's kind of cool for him. Uh, Two, interesting that he went to Florida. I think we'll talk a little bit about Florida's moves here in a minute. Uh, And and three, I don't know what what Philadelphia is thinking. I guess good on them if they don't think they have a shot to give Drew a shot somewhere else. But I just... Having a, a a captain like Crosby, I can't imagine trading my captain away. But, you know, that that's just interesting. And then if you want to mention some other trades that you kind of stuck out to you. Yeah, I think uh, one of the bigger ones or t- uh, was uh, Brandon Hagel getting thrown away from Chicago. You know, younger kid, 24 years old. Um, that's a huge pickup for the Bolts, and they paid a huge price. They paid two firsts and another pick as well. Um, that they're, they're really trying to three P. They they needed to kind of solidify their their bottom six, and they just went also. And they did a on bit. the day they picked up Nick Paul and Riley Nash yeah. for their bottom six as well. So they've gone ahead and tried to make another brilliant third line scenario. I mean, their team again is stacked. I don't know how they fit all these people under the cap. You know, they're grabbing people on the cheap and um. It, it, it looks like it could work. It, no, no, props to their management. They, they've done a very good job. I mean, I think they're kind of trying to do now what Rutherford was trying to do in 2018. 
you know, replace pieces with other pieces. And I mean, it remains to be seen if if it'll work out for them. But they're doing a good job of trying. The other Florida team, uh, you mentioned that they the Panthers grabbed Claude Giroux and they didn't have to pay a a huge fortune there. But they also went and got uh, Ben Sherratt, who is definitely needed because Ekblad will be out at least for some time. And they needed somebody to pick up the big, heavy defensive defenseman minutes. And there he is. Now, uh, do you think that Florida is going to kind of ruin their chemistry with the, with the trades and and pieces that they got? You know, they added some other minor pieces. Um, I'm a little bit more concerned about that for the Rangers, in all honesty. Um, because it, maybe because they're a younger team. Yeah. You know, Florida's kind of, they have those solid veteran presence. So maybe they, they the, do better with having a bunch of new people brought in. The Rangers moves on paper are all really good moves and they didn't overpay. They got Andrew Kopp from the Jets. They got Tyler Mott. They got Nick Merkley to all round out their third line yeah. uh, and their bottom six. And then they also went ahead and got Justin Braun to shore up their defense. Well, and, and let's not forget they have the best goalie in the league this so, year. So on, on paper, I mean, I saw these moves come down. I'm like, man, these are really shrewd moves. But they were aggressive. Very aggressive. But will it work? I mean, again, the deadline is a, is a late time to kind of put this all together. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think especially with a younger team, you... I think the the chemistry doesn't develop as quickly and you know it's something that you, the end of the season goes so quickly and before you know it it's the playoffs and you know there's a really great chance they're going to play a very veteran team such as the Pittsburgh Penguins and it's going to be interesting to see the the way it all works out for them. Obviously I hope they lose. But <laughs> yeah, but, I mean it's looking like we'll get them but we could also get the Capitals who right. did shore up their biggest, most glaring weakness in my mind, which was their center position. And they went back and to, to Seattle and picked Marcus Johansson back up. And then they also grabbed um, Johan Larson on the cheap. So their bottom six is a little bit better. Uh, they also have some defensive woes in my in my eyes. Um, they're well, not, and, and I think their goalie situation, too. They're not the deepest team. Um, and, no. yeah, their goalie situation hasn't been the same since Holtby left. So... It just always feels very unsure back, to back me, there. To me, me. I, this is going to come across like me hating the Capitals, but I mean, in all honesty, <laughs> in all honesty, this they just seem like the weakest of the four in terms of depth. There are there are holes there that don't exist with the Penguins, with the Canes, and now even the Rangers. Um, they just seem a, a little bit of a step behind. They're a little older. Backstrom's really on the downswing. So there's just some issues there that the other three aren't dealing with. To their credit, they've stayed in the exact same points race, and we'll get to that later. Um, the Hurricanes didn't really have cap space to do anything, but they did pick up a very, uh, very down on his luck Max Domi at 25% of his cap hit, which was ridiculous. Um, I know he only has one goal this year, but he's got a ton of talent and or not one goal this year, but one goal in like the last 20 games or something. Yeah, He's yeah. really struggling, but I've seen Max Domi play. That kid is really good. Well, so they have another team, offensive threat. On a team like the Canes, who just have like more belief than any team ever, that could be a really good fit for him. And that, that could maybe 
pull something out of him that he hasn't been getting from the Blue Jackets. So my favorite my favorite moves of the day in terms of the teams I thought did the best, because there was a decent amount of movement and it wasn't just all peripheral peripheral players. There were you know, some impact players that really did shift teams. Um, and a lot of contenders were, were making, making the moves. My favorite of the day was the Leafs. Yeah, so I actually have that on like my list of other big impactful trades of the day. I, I think that the Leafs are going to be very quietly going into the playoffs as an, like an underdog. And I truly think if they could get out of the first round, they have a very solid chance of I, making a run. I love both pickups. I think yeah. you're adding a mobile veteran defenseman who's not going to be shaken by literally anything in Mark Giordano. Yes, has he passed his prime? Of course, but is he still stable and productive and can take big minutes? Yes, are, are you didn't you kinda, pay a premium. Are you kind of surprised, just side note here, that Calgary didn't go for Giordano the way that, like, uh, the Capitals went. I am. I mean, I mean, they made some really savvy pickups in the days leading up. In uh, they picked up uh, Toffoli last month. I was, I was really, and expecting, they got Yarnkirk, but they didn't pick up Giordano. I was really expecting them to, to maybe go and get him again because I think they have a solid chance too. And I think their decor has just really become this mobile, high, really smooth skating younger group and and for whatever reason they just didn't want to tinker with it yeah um i didn't it's mean... also possible that they they just didn't want to pay the price for it yeah i i mean i didn't mean to derail the the leafs talk i just was curious what you thought about but that. I, I think mark giorano is exactly what they needed on the back end yeah and i love the pickup of colin blackwell too like he's under the radar um he's kind of on a seattle team that was struggling but like that's a good depth addition that could absolutely give you third line scoring when you need it in the dirty areas of the ice so if if there's anybody that i thought won the day it was them and it was also seattle for doing a fire sale of the players that they weren't going to keep around as part of their plan and just getting a million picks because they're doing a retool based on their mistakes in the expansion draft and they very quickly realized where the mistakes were and are now rectifying them. Which I will say, a lot of the mistakes that have happened all year for them, we did call out. Yeah. I mean, anyone with any hockey sense could see what was going to happen there. They couldn't score. They they over... And that's exactly what happened. They overemphasized the defensive side of the game, and their defensive core, their young uh, defensemen that they drafted, are still there. The ones that they really wanted. Susie is gone, but... Or, I believe Susie is gone, but the rest are all still there. So they just kind of shipped out some spare parts, and they accumulated an absolute haul. Well, and it, I mean, this this draft is deep, and they're, they're going to probably get some really great young players. In a couple of years, they're going to be an excellent team. Yeah, I mean, they still got McCann and Everly. Yeah. They still got their their goalie. Yeah, he had a start bad start to the year. So And they got a great decor. So you just draft some forwards now. I just think it's hilarious that Ron Franchi, uh, Francis, who – was one of the best two-way forwards and really focused on the defensive side of the game, decided he was not going to focus on scoring at all. Yeah. Because that was a, well, that was a criticism of him the, the entire, in the 90s. The entire draft, as the picks were coming, were like, 
who's scoring goals on this team? And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, I think they did a good job too. Yeah. If they, you know, they don't see themselves being a contender for a long time. So you might as well go and get tons of picks. Yeah. Especially with these, this deep, deep ish draft uh, and next year's very deep draft. Why not? Just stock up. So the Metro got scarier. It did. It was already scary. It got scarier. And I think the entire East in general got scarier. I think this is going to be an extremely difficult path for any team in the East. And I feel very badly for any team in the West who has to face the East in, in the final. I know everyone's real high on the Avalanche and honestly haven't watched much of them this They're year. They're brilliant. They're awesome. But I just feel like when you play Western teams all the time, you just play at a different level than when you play Eastern teams all the time. I just, I just think our level of compete is higher and we're used to playing these playoff style games every single night. There's something to be said for that. I... I and I, I think that's been happening a lot lately. Uh, I mean, other than the Blues, it's been their all pickup East. Of, their pickup of the guy that I wanted, uh, Lakenen, out of out of uh, Montreal, I thought was super savvy. And they have the best decor in the whole league. I, so I mean, that remains. They've 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 broken my bracket now a couple years in a row. So I I don't know. I'm. I, I'm not sure yet what I feel how I feel about them. I need to watch some games here at the end of the season, but we'll see what we'll see what happens to them. It's just hard when you don't really have another really great team to compare them to. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I just think the East is so stacked, and whatever oh, team Cal- Calgary, uh, Calgary and Calgary and is good too. I yeah, has come on here especially with uh, Daryl Sutter, and I would not count them out because he. He looks like he is in L.A. King's dynasty mode, and he's just doing the exact same thing of just ramping them up to 11 at all times. Yeah. Um, I I just think there whatever are great team... Teams, there are great teams out there this year. I think whatever team comes out of the East, just either they're going to be so great because they've had to go to get through all these great teams, or they're going to be so beat up, <laughs> and, and I, the West will have their way with them. I'm I, not sure which way it goes yet. I could see a number of seven-game series. Um I'm honestly rooting for the Capitals matchup because I think it'll be the easiest of the of the two that we could potentially so get. So let's just do something fun to end this. Okay. Let's kind of make some picks if the playoffs were to start today. And and let's just go through like we would. And we'll just do the East because the West is pretty easy, I think. But um, we'll do the East and let's just kind of say what we think and how many games will be in the series. So today, if if you know the season ended, Florida and the Capitals would play. That's Florida. Florida. I say Florida in five. Yeah, it's like four or five right there. Yeah. All right. Here's an interesting one: Toronto, Tampa Bay. I'd take Toronto in seven. In seven. Yeah, me too. All right. So we got Carolina and Boston. Obviously, I take Carolina, and I take them in six. Yeah, Boston has too many holes right now. They're aging a bit. I'd take it in six as well. Yeah, and then obviously we have the Pens and the Rangers. I think that definitely goes seven. Shesterkin is unbelievable. And I will take the Penguins just because I cannot not take the Penguins. 
there's a part of me that thinks that the Rangers could beat us. Uh, uh, that's why if if we can control our fate, the Caps would be a lot. And the interesting part about this, you know, fake matchup is we've only played them once so far this season, so we don't really know. No. We beat them. We did beat them, but it was one to nothing. Like that was it was a tough game. Goalie v goalie, and yeah, it was a hard fought game. We won, thankfully, but, you know, we have three more games coming up here. We play them on the 25th, the 29th, and then again on April 7th. So we, there's a lot to be determined And the funniest, the funniest thing is if the Capitals continue to not keep pace and we share points, like goes extra time, which it very well may because those games feel like they're going to be tight. Uh, that just makes it even more likely that we'll play each other because we'll be keeping the spread close yeah. as to as the second and third seed. So we may have four games out of our last 17 against them and then have to play another seven-game series. So we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of the broad shirts, uh, or, or Broadway blue shirts, sorry. And uh, I'm I'm not thrilled about that because they have some talent there. For sure. There's also a really good chance, like we said, that that'll change and we'll actually play Washington. Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. They they're eight points back right now. Um, it, there's they're just not there. It, it, in my mind, there, there's a there's a there's a the Panthers and the Lightning are the cream of the crop, uh, alongside Carolina as well. And then there's the Penguins and the Rangers. Yep. And then there's the rest of the the conference. Yeah, I I agree with that completely. Um, like the Bruins are pretty solid, as are the Caps, and that's I mean that's pretty much where we end up. I mean Toronto, you could put in that same group as Pittsburgh and the Rangers, where they they could make noise or they could be out right away. Uh, but there is a level of parity especially in the East, that is just every game, every game, every point is difficult. The game against the Sabres last night, I remember, you know, we were watching the away feed and it's just, uh, it, it feels like for the first time in a while, even that team, which they is usually, life. which is usually the, you know, uh, the punching bag looks like an NHL team and, yeah. and could could and did beat us you know mm-hmm. did they deserve to after that overtime probably not i know maybe i'll have some sour grapes about that we we outplayed them badly in those five minutes of overtime but they for all intents and purposes outplayed us in regulation and they looked cohesive as a group they look like they have a plan in terms of their prospects there are only a couple teams left in the NHL that are really just absolute trash. And every day it seems like it's harder to get two points out of, out of a game. Yeah. So on the back end of a back-to-back or, you know, at the end of a long road trip, it's harder to grind those games out. So I'm thankful to a certain extent that we've had these injuries sprinkled throughout the year among our star players because hopefully that will keep them fresh for the playoff series, especially if we get past round one, you know, and, and things grind on. Because this has been a condensed schedule this year, even if it doesn't feel like it, it has been. So wear and tear 
is, is a big thing. So if we can stay relatively healthy, we get Zucker back, we only lose one or two forwards, one or two D, um, we should be in a, a better spot than some others that are more banged up and have had some harder miles down the stretch. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll definitely report back next week because this time next week we will have two more games against the Rangers. Like I said, we play them tomorrow night, Friday, and then again on Tuesday. So we'll try to take away his Vesna, which I feel is anointed <laughs> to him at this point. Well, yeah, and I, well, that's, I just, I think it'll be some good insight just to kind of see hopefully into the future and, and what's, what's going to go, go down there. And in terms of potential matchup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that'll, that'll be cool. I think it will, uh, be, Fun to watch how Raquel fits in in the next couple of games after having some practice time. See where he slots in. If it's going to be with Malkin, is it going to be, you know, with Carter? Hopefully it's not with Crosby. Crosby has enough wingers. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely report back with our thoughts on that. Hopefully we'll be less sick and less annoying at that time. But... Uh, we'll, we'll be at a couple of those games, so we will definitely be tweeting them. And you can catch us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. And I think that is everything from us tonight. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.